Previously on Finding Tammy Joe. We were supposed to come down here and start combining this field that was in the corn at that time. And we decided to go down to the corner and get a cup of coffee, and that's when we noticed, you know, the body. And If you're going to strip her from identification, turn her pockets inside out, you know she's not from this area. You know we're going to have a tough time with this. I thought that in my head. It's, it sounds probably counterintuitive, but it's a... It's both a tragic and ugly story and an uplifting story in some ways. I'm Gary Craig with the Democrat and Chronicle. And I'm Veronica Volk with WXXI News. And this is Finding Tammy Joe, the podcast. Welcome back. If this is your first time listening, this is our second episode you might want to go back and listen to our first episode about the day they found the girl in the cornfield. Okay, let's get started. We thought we would look in Livingston County. We'd get an identification the next morning. They would put it on the television. Somebody would pick up the phone. They'd go, I know that girl. That's former Livingston County Sheriff John York. In 1979, he became the lead investigator in a murder case. A teenage girl was found fatally shot in a cornfield in Caledonia, New York. There was no obvious signs of trauma other than the gunshot wounds. There were no prior history of medical concerns, no dental work, uh, no positive identifying marks. There were no immediate leads or witnesses. York and his team, they started with absolutely nothing, and they headed out on foot from the crime scene. We walked for several miles hoping we would find where some of the contents of her pocketbook or purse or something had been thrown out. We weren't able to find that. I assigned investigators to then begin driving and stopping at every restaurant. York and the other officers visited 70 restaurants. One was the Lima Diner, and that's where they found Marge Bradford. They, they were there the next morning when I came to work at 2 in the afternoon. The Lima Diner is called the Lima Family Restaurant now, and they built an addition on the side to seat more people and host parties. But other than that, not much has changed. Even some of the staff is the same. Kathy McDermott has been waiting tables there for over 40 years. It's a lot different than it was 40 years ago. We have a lot of transient people, although we have a lot of regulars, don't get me wrong. But it is a lot different now. It's nestled into Lima's little downtown at an intersection called the Four Corners. And in 1979, Marge Bradford was a waitress there. She was 21 years old. She lived in a trailer down the street, and she walked to work. On November 9th, she was working the Friday night fish fry. And about 8.30, she says two people walked in and sat at a table in her section. I've never seen them before. I, they were strangers. They were something I'd never seen them come in before. Because pretty much on Friday night you had the same usual people, you know, for fish fry. Most of them were my friends. <laughs> They'd come in all drunk. At that point, almost everyone had cleared out after the dinner rush, and it was a little early for the bar crowd. The pair were just about the only people in the restaurant besides staff. There was a girl matching Callie Doe's description, and she was there with a man. He was probably six foot, maybe 25, and 
curly hair, glasses, light brown hair. And they seemed to be more like they knew each other, not boyfriend and girlfriend, but maybe like brother, sister. That's the impression I got. She seemed like she was happy. She didn't seem upset or anything. You know, they were laughing and, you know, just acting like normal people. She didn't act at least a bit worried. Which is mystifying to Marge, even to this day, because the next morning she was found murdered only eight and a half miles up the highway. Why would you buy somebody dinner and then kill them 25 minutes later and throw them in a cornfield, you know? It's, it didn't make any sense. She, they didn't, she didn't act worried at all or afraid. Marge worked with detectives to draw up a composite of the guy. And York says he spread it all across the country, but it never led to a suspect. Talking to Marge, you get the sense that this murder case has really affected her life. She's moved several times. The first was after she read her own name in the paper. She thought, this guy is still out there, and now he has my name. I mean, he might be dead by now. I mean, I'm sure I wouldn't recognize him if I saw him. It's been so many years, but it's just the point. This guy's still out there. If this was just a case of a waitress spotting a girl that fit Callie Doe's description, that would be one thing. But Marge recalled a detail that almost surely tied Kelly Doe to the Lima Diner that night. She told the police what she served her for dinner. John York again. It was quite shocking that she told us that because, quite frankly, that's the contents of her stomach. Boiled ham. It doesn't sound like much, but actually, the sheriff's office was able to use this little detail in interesting ways, like with the press coverage. At the time, Jim Redman was a reporter at the Democratic Chronicle's Geneseo Bureau. He used this and other details when he wrote a Sunday feature in January of 1980 about the still unidentified girl, Callie Doe. She had eaten a simple meal of corn, potatoes, and boiled canned ham. Eatery food, it filled you up, but it wasn't fancy. It hurt to chew. A molar on the left side had bothered her for about the last year, and one on the right was getting worse. To have it fixed would mean the first trip to the dentist for the 16-year-old. She was average-looking, athletically built, about 5 foot 5 and 125 pounds, with brown eyes and hair. The ends were still blonde, left over from hair coloring she had stopped using about four months ago. Like many other 16-year-old girls, she had a slight acne problem, liked to polish her toenails, and wore silver necklaces. Beneath her corduroy jeans, plaid blouse, and red nylon ski jacket, her summer tan was almost gone. Later, a coroner would find the outline of her bikini. Jim had been a reporter for less than a year when Callie Doe was murdered. It was the second homicide he'd ever covered. You have to keep in mind, this, this was 1979. Um, you know, people I don't think were quite as cynical as they are today homicides and shootings weren't as common as they are today. It's one of those things that this was a big deal in Livingston County. And it resonated with people because they thought it was awful that this girl was unidentified. I do have a question about um, your writing. You not only 
uh, like divulge the details that you had from the sheriff's office, but you did it in a way that really, I think, brought her to life. And I want to know if you thought that you had a responsibility to try to help this girl get identified. What we were trying to do with the Sunday story was describe as best we can who she was and what she was doing and where she was um, before this horrific homicide. I don't know if I felt a responsibility to her, but it, it was one of those things that um, you you wanted to tell her story in the hopes that she would be identified. You know, um, as I said, there, uh, identifying her is just one step. Somebody still has to be charged with her murder. Jim would go on to have a 20-year career in both print and television journalism. He'd cover a lot of crime in that time and a lot of homicides, but this one, it would continue to stick out for him. There was the lack of identification and how young she was. What would really stick out for Jim was the dogged investigation, the unrelenting investigation by John York and the rest of the team with the Livingston County Sheriff's Office. One of the things that's interesting, too, is Jack York went and interviewed um, Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole, uh, two serial killers that they thought were in the area about the time that she got killed. And uh, I don't know that that ever turned into anything. That's next time on Finding Tammy Joe. I'm Veronica Volk, WXXI News. And I'm Gary Craig with the Democrat and Chronicle. So next week, we're going to have an open house at the new DNC headquarters. We've put together an exhibit with all these old articles and pictures from the story. And you're welcome to come see them and talk to me or Gary about the case. There will be more details at our website, findingtammyjoe.com. If you can't make it, you can still join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag TammyJoe. And of course, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play if you haven't already. This podcast is a production of WXXI News and the Democrat and Chronicle. Thanks for listening.